and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, one of the fundamental aspects of faith is having what's called bitachon, which is translated usually as trust in God. Um, and I, you know, this is a concept, faith in God, trust in God. These are concepts that I always hope I'm pretty solid in. And I feel like there's many ladies I've been talking to recently, people in general that that were people of faith. I do really think I trust in God. And yet at the same time, there's a part of me that thinks, what does that really mean? Uh, what does it mean to trust in God? And I also find that I'm needing to, whatever that means, I need to be strengthening my trust in God during these difficult times. So I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to really ask you as a rabbi, what does it actually mean to have bitachon? And how can we work on strengthening that during these challenging times? Right. Well, yes, they are very, very challenging times. And um, so let's talk about bitachon. Bitachon literally means trust. Do I trust that God knows what he's doing and is orchestrating everything uh, with an eye towards our best interest and enabling us to achieve our best version of ourselves and the best version of this world? Mm. That's basically what trusting God means. And... uh, and, and, and there's a couple of things that come to my mind. One is, uh, in order to kind of prime the trust, I think it's important to be mindful of the miracles that happen every day in a regular way. You know, I think we've shared this once before. If, if we just took some time to contemplate our eyeball and, uh, you know, and even even you know, go on the internet and, and, and learn a little bit about the eyeball. It's, it's just absolutely mind boggling. The ingenuity, the, the ingenious of, of just an eyeball or a kidney or, you know, every part of our body is just an outrageous demonstration of incredible wisdom. That's, you know, beyond belief. Hmm. And uh, and when I take that time to be mindful of that and just kind of stare at, you know, the veins in your legs and realize there's so many, so many veins in there. I have no clue where they're going, what they're doing. We are a walking miracle and our, our very being should be a testimony that God knows what he's doing, because if he could create an eyeball and a kidney and a. And a, and, a, and a heart and a brain. We, we, I think we've just become so used to what we have. We have forgotten to be uh, marvel uh, and be radically amazed by what we have, which I think would boost our trust in that, hmm, Hashem sure knows what he's doing. In fact, the Rambam Maimonides says that a way that a person boosts their sense of awe and adoration for God is to contemplate the wonders of creation. And, and I, uh, I once heard Rabbi Abraham Tversky once say that it would be a good idea. You know, there's all these on the Internet. You could get uh, all kinds of things about, uh, you know, the wonders of nature or the wonders of the, the, the life under, under the ocean I think it's called Blue Planet or something. 
I started collecting some of these uh, clips and and watching them boosts my trust and my adoration and because this is a wow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and when you're in the middle, middle of a war and things are, you know, not always going the way we would hope they would go, uh, there is a, it, it, one could begin to doubt whether God knows what he's doing. But I think there's a lot more, I mean, a lot, lot, a lot more evidence that Hashem, the creator of the universe, knows what he's doing. Mm. But I think also in terms of trust, I think it's important that Hashem knows what he's doing, but that doesn't mean I know what he's doing and that I should expect him to play ball the way I play ball. Mm. That's where trust gets really hard because things are happening that are not the way we would like them to happen, certainly not the way we think a loving, compassionate God would have them happen. And that, you know, challenges our trust. Does God know what he's doing? But maybe God, uh, well, not maybe, but maybe I don't know what he's doing. And I'm trying to comprehend. It says, uh, Thank Hashem. He is good. He is kind. His kindness is forever. And so we see how long do we see in terms of our own lives and we could feel that things have gone off course, but but Hashem has a much greater plan than we could ever fathom. And what might look to us as off course, it might be, see something. We might look at it a hundred years from now, and realize, oh my gosh, all this pain and 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 sadness really was exactly what we needed to get to this bright, beautiful happy future. Hmm. So I, I think it, it really takes tremendous humility to be able to surrender to the wisdom of God and realize that he doesn't have to play ball according to our rules, that he has rules that are beyond our capacity to even fathom. Wow. Well, I can say personally, this is such a helpful um, realignment I think that's what I'm re- needing right now. You know, you have your wheels are going in the right direction. Then you feel like you go through a shakeup and I need a realignment. So this was a fantastic realignment for me because I think one of the, those little like niggling doubts that start to come in and it can be like, yes, I believe God has this plan. And then there can be like a little wiggling that da- wriggling doubt. Well, I don't know. Maybe there is some randomness to things. Is this really part of God's plan? Is this just random? But when you remind me, you know, you have to pull back and as you're reminding us all, look at the nature that God created and how planned it is, how designed it is. As you point out the eyeball, there is such design that creates such a miraculous nature that we take for granted as normal because we're used to it. But when you actually think about the design involved, it's a reminder that the whole world has a certain design to it and there's a plan. And when we're in the middle of the story, we can't see the big picture. Right. I also, I also been, I, I, I've been contemplating about this a lot. And I, I think we, we come to this world and we expect that God created this world to give us a good time. Mm. And he's taking us out to the theater and he's taking us out to some concerts. He's going to take us to some five-star restaurants. He's going to put us on some magnificent beaches and watch some sunsets. And, 
And, and we've come to this world to have a good time. And I think that's, that's where we get messed up when we're not having a good time. We say, hey, hey, God, where are you? I thought you, you created us to take us out to have a good time. And uh, we didn't come to this world to have a good time. We came to this world to do a good deed. Mm, and when wow. you do a good deed, that's a really good time. That's a great time. And, uh, and, and fighting evil is the greatest deed you can do. And so I, I think this is part of, again, we lose our trust because, hey, you know, uh, my popcorn's not hot, God. <laughs> you know, it's like this, 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 we're really not having a good time down here in Gaza. We didn't come here to have a good time. We came here to do good. And we came here to, to demonstrate and to accomplish tremendous feats of self-transcendence, which is I'm transcending what is comfortable for me and what's fun for me to do something that is uncomfortable but meaningful and truly contributes to a better world. And so uh, right now we might not be having a good time at all. And that challenges our trust because we come with this, uh, with this attitude that that's what God designed this world for. And so something's not working here because we're not having a good time. And yet God is setting us up to be able to do great acts of kindness and mm -hmm. selflessness and compassion and and patience and empathy and 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 in a, in the deepest way you know we feel good when we do good and we feel really good when we do good much better than when we're having a good time and uh, so i think you know i think god did create this world to give us a good time but his definition of a good time and mine is not the same and i think that's where we get messed up we don't have the God in us don't have the same definition of what we're doing here. See, and that's what I'm starting to realize as we're talking is that I think to a great degree myself and I'm sure many others, we need this perspective tune up right now, because if I'm struggling right now with bitachon, with trusting God, um, some of it's a matter of, well, as you're sharing right here, it's maybe I'm looking at everything the wrong way. It's almost as if like, I'm thinking I've sort of like lost the, you know, they talk about the forest and the trees. I think we're sometimes so zoned in, like I'm thinking you can take the tree, you don't see the forest, but what if you're zooming in onto the tree, you're zooming into the leaf? I don't even know what I'm looking at. When you get that close to something, you have no perspective of the whole big picture. And I think right now, to some degree, what I have to do is zoom out and take this lens of, as you're exactly explaining, sometimes it's a wholly different perspective, which makes me realize the way you're explaining it is that now is actually a fantastic opportunity because reality is, is that when life is going smooth and well, not that I can't do good, but there's a lot more opportunity to do good when life is more challenged, when there's problems. And in that perspective, there's actually a lot of opportunity right now. Instead of feeling like we're being crushed, we're actually being squeezed open with opportunity. Right. You know, the Kabbalists say that God created the world to give of his goodness to other. And generally, the way people understand that is to give of his goodness to other means, again, he's going to give us a good time. But it says give of his goodness to others, meaning he's going to give to creatures that are other than God, other than perfect, other than all knowing. 
He's going to give us of his goodness. His goodness is kindness, compassion, peace, you know, and truth. And, and that's what he's giving us. He's giving us the opportunity to be like God, that we who are other than God can are going to have the opportunity to align ourselves and be like God by being kind when we don't feel like it, when being compassionate when we don't feel like it, when being loving when we don't feel like it. You know, like right now, this war, you know, we don't feel like it. We, we Jews do not like war. We don't want war. We never wanted war. Our, our army is called the Israeli defense force you know we we never want to be on the offense we just want we're just defending ourselves and and this week's parsha abraham or actually in last week's parsha uh abraham goes to war he, he he doesn't want to go to war he he's 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 a man of kindness his fundamental character disposition is kindness a man of kindness doesn't want to go to war but but that's when your kindness is tested of how genuine your kindness is, that maybe you have to transcend your comfort zone of kindness and do something that isn't kind in the interest of a much greater kindness, which is to save the world from evil. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's, again, going back to my point that we think that, that God created the world to give up his goodness to other means. He's, he's going he's gonna to be nice to us. When in fact he's going to give us the ability to be like him and nice to others. Wow. You know, as I'm thinking about this, and when you talk about that God knows what he's doing and what God's plan is maybe different than what I see as I mean, God is good, but maybe my version of what I think is good is not the bigger picture of what God sees as good. And I think another aspect of this challenge of trusting God is just the idea that it's tough for human beings to live with uncertainty. I know myself, I like having a sense of what to expect. And sometimes, as you're pointing out, that what God has planned for ourselves, for our nation, for me as my individual life is going to be different than what I think is the right direction to take. And living with that constant uncertainty of not knowing what is, that that's I think that really can be a challenge in strengthening our trust in God. Yeah, well, actually, that's the foundation of trusting in God. If I say to somebody, trust me, uh, then there is a certain uncertainty that's going on because if they were sure things are going to work out, they don't need to trust me. Mm. They're sure that things are going to work out. Trust means I, I, you know, I am challenged and it doesn't look to me like things are going the way I think they should be. And I'm saying, well, you're going to have to trust me because I have a lot more experience than you. I have a lot more wisdom than you. I see the bigger picture that you don't see. So from your perspective, I'm a mystery and I might be. And from your perspective, I'm doing things that are just the opposite of where you think we should be going. And I'm saying, you know, I I hope I've got a track record enough that I can ask you to trust me, cut me some slack and be patient. So trust absolutely does have, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the basis of the trust is that there is an element of uncertainty and doubt. And that's where I say humbly what do i know mm. you know like what do i know who do i think i am and you know uh as the kuskarebi said a god that i can understand isn't a god i would want to believe in because if i can understand him how great could he be if he makes sense to my puny little mind hmm. then in a sense instead of being unnerved by that feeling of uncertainty 
I can sort of transform that every time I sense that uncertainty, recognize that's the opportunity to work, to trust God. Because if I wasn't uncertain, then as you're pointing out, it almost sounds like uncertainty is a necessary component of this concept of trust. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, and it, and, it, and it takes a tremendous amount of courage to trust. Now, you're not, it's not blind trust. I've got good enough reasons to believe that God knows what he's doing because that surrounds me everywhere, his work of genius. Uh, but nonetheless, there are things that are happening that are very disturbing and very upsetting and uh, and and it's it's precisely in those moments that trust is 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 the, it, it becomes meaningful because mm. if everything's making sense, what well, what's there to trust? Mm. So then, ultimately, too, I'm just thinking about this that when I when I my trust is shaken, it's actually it sounds like it could be an opportunity to be to gain stronger trust than I had even before it was shaken. Because the stronger that uncertainty, you know, I think can go through life and life's hunky dory. And I feel like, yes, I trust God. Don't always understand what the plan is, but nothing's too shaken up. My trust is at one level, but the, the greater the possibility for uncertainty means also the greater possibility to, to strengthen that concept of trust in God because of the degree of the uncertainty that I might've gone through. Look, it's kind of like these uh, brilliant mystery movies where you're sure that the butler did it. All the evidence points that the butler did it, and then, and then, in the last five minutes of the of the movie, you find out that it was actually the five year old kid that did it. I don't know. <laughs> mm. And then, you, and then you look back at it all and say, "Oh my gosh, I missed it all. All the evidence was there was the five year old kid, but I was distracted. I came with certain expectations. You know, I had a certain bias that certainly it's the butler. Why well, I never ever think it would be the kid." And then I'm, I, I end the movie with this great shock that what I thought made total sense and I had all the evidence to back it up wasn't where it was going. And then in, with perfect 2020 hindsight, I realized that the evidence that it was the five-year-old kid was right in front of my face and I didn't miss it because I started off with an expectation that blinded my ability to see things. Hmm. So then ultimately when we say trust in God. It's when we're in the face of place of uncertainty, when I'm in a place where I'm not really understanding what's going on, meaning I have this belief that God is running the world, but I'm not at the moment sensing or my, that my integration of that knowledge is shaken. That's this opportunity to actually express a sense of trust in God that I wouldn't necessarily have if I didn't have some shaky um, perspective or, or lack of perspective, I guess, in really understanding that. Right. Hmm. And it also goes back to enormous amount of humbleness because we think we know what we need and we think we know what's good for us. And, uh, and maybe we don't know because we don't have the bigger picture hmm. and well. then we have to trust. Well, I really want to thank you, Rabbi, because I really feel like I got a realignment in my perspective on what understanding what it means to trust God. And specifically now, when I think for so many of us, we're struggling with this, it's also given me, instead of feeling unnerved by having this struggle, I think I'm realizing it, this struggle is actually really an opportunity 
to strengthen my trust in God and his plan and my recognition that there's a plan, that his plan doesn't have to be what I sense at this point, but a real opportunity to become more aligned with trusting God. So I hope we'll all be able to take advantage of this opportunity through the challenge, that the positive growth that can come out of it and the strength and relationship we can really develop with God, specifically during this challenging time. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.